Yo, welcome everybody to another episode of Holotakes Podcast. I'm your host, Riman Rafi. Yes, I'm out of the shadows. Riman Rafi here, hosting podcast. We are here with Pascal MV from last Yo, episode. Yo, what's good, guys? And I'm back on the pod. He's back in the pod. And OG the Clam God, aka OG the Clam God, the menace. If you don't follow this guy on Twitter, this guy's an animal. And if you don't, don't follow do Pascal on Twitter, don't, don't do it. I've lost. I've lost like 20 followers in the last year. <laughs> but they're los- but OG's OG the clamp god, he's losing followers for a reason. If you want to find out why, go follow him on Twitter and you'll see. Well, um, wonderful promo. Yeah, before we start the episode, just want to apologize for the late upload. Uh, we had some scheduling issue, but you know what? Stuff happens. We're still going to deliver an episode. So we got one uh, ready for you guys today. Um, yeah, to start the episode up, like, how are you guys doing? You guys good? I haven't heard from you guys in a week. Yeah. Feeling good, man. Feeling good. Ready to uh, get another episode of the pod done. Nice. How about you, Eli? Bro, I'm just tired. Just studying and, you know. Just, Exam yeah. season? Yes, sir. Just uh, trying to push through and get it all done with. And this time in a month, I'll be free. So I'm excited. Bro, you'll be free and then you'll finally get longer walks with Luna. For those that don't know, <laughs> Luna's uh, Eli's dog. Cutest thing ever. Again, follow him on Twitter to see the pics. Cutest, cutest, cutest little thing ever. All right. Yo, we got to give a shout out to our boy, Freddie Gillespie. Mans went from, is it Division 3 or Division 2? Division Division 3. This guy went from Division 2 to Division 1. And even though he wasn't part of the Baylor team this year, you know, they won a championship. So he still has that championship DNA because he had the same coach. Mans went through G League, killed it with Memphis Hustle got two 10-day contracts with the Raptors, and earned himself a two-year contract. How are you feeling Ooh. about this signing? Um, I'm, I'm amped, man. I'm so happy for him. Um, you know, like, um, I remember, like, I, I came across him because uh, one of my followers, Hoop Goose, if you guys don't follow him, you should follow him. Very insightful. Um, he was talking about him, you know, as, like, a sort of, I guess, low-risk, high-reward type guy we could sign. I started looking into him, watching like tape of his G League um, season this past season, and I was I was impressed, man. I was happy with that, and I'm like, yo, I want this guy. And when we signed him, I was amped, and like, I mean, I'm I'm assuming I'm speaking for you guys too, bro. I've been happy with the production so far. Like, it's not like eye popping numbers when you look at it just face value, but like when you watch him on the court, like this guy is great mobility. He's a good rim protector. He's undersized. He's 6'9", but, like, he has, like, a, what, a 7'6 wingspan, 7'5 wingspan. So, it's, like, this, this guy is solid, man. And, again, considering the game is moving into small ball, I'm not too stressed. So, I, I'm happy for him, man. I'm really happy for him. He, he earned it. He, bro, he benched Baines as a 10-day. So, kind of tells me right. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. I mean, I did, I'm not going to lie. I didn't know much about him before we signed him. But, I mean, for a guy in a 10-day, I'm impressed with him. He comes in, he rebounds the ball. You know, he doesn't take possessions off. And, um, yeah, man, maybe it's just because we've been so, like, fried with with Baines that, like, any kind of center can come in and kind of make a huge impact. But he's looked good. And, you know, having him on that two-year deal, like, like you said, low risk, it's minimum money. So, like, I think he could be a good guy to be – Maybe not the second string center, but he could be a third string guy. Yeah, like definitely a second string, not second string yet, but third string guy for sure. Because obviously he still has to adjust to the full NBA game, even though like he's producing so much more 
than what Baines gave us, then again, our expectations are pretty low. Like the ceiling for meeting our expectations exactly. is really low. I think with him, is what I like a lot is, especially a two-year deal, is I like the timeline of the current roster. Because I don't know if you – I'm sure you guys realize this, but we're kind of putting together like a redemption lineup for next season. Like, because yeah. Utah, he's still trying to, like, earn his spot in the league. Because, yeah, he has a contract now, but it's not a long-term contract. Boucher is going to be auditioning for another contract next season. Gillespie is going to audition for another contract next season. And what I like about them is, like, they're not selfish players that are auditioning in a way where they're just going to try to go get there so they can get their money. I like that they're selfless guys and their character is, like, super off the charts. Especially Gillespie, too. Like, I, I talked about his uh, mom's community involvement last season. Um, not last season, sorry, like last episode. And dude, like I just like the way our roster's constructed, even not just like talent-wise, but their like personality-wise, like their character-wise. I think it's mad dope. It fits our culture. So everyone talking about like, oh, the Raptors culture is getting ruined because we're losing so much. Yo, you're just looking at the W's and L's. You're not looking at it deeper because there's so many W's that we can take away from this. Don't let the Bane season, Tampa season ruin your love for this team. That's just how I feel about it. Um, what do you guys think? Yeah, no, honestly, I agree with that completely, man. Like, honestly, like you said, like, if you're going to just kind of, like, stat watch in a, in a sense, you know, you're going to be looking at the W's and, and L's, then, yeah, this season's been an utter failure. And, I'm, and, like, trust me, I'm not saying that this season's been good. This season stunk low-key. But, like, there are some good things you can take from it. And, like, what's happy, what makes me happy to see, at least, is that there are guys, like, we're having the, the Freddie Gillespie um, story of a guy who just, again, like really kind of fits the mold of what this Raptors team is. It's a lot of the guys, you know, that's earned, not given, grinded their way up, worked for what they got, worked for where they're at, and like they're continuing to work. And like even with like the success that's coming from like their hard work, it's not really getting to their head. And like you can see like he's definitely like absorbing a lot. He's learning. I mean, even like the game the other night, like there's a point where Lowry was kind of like not yelling at him, but like he, he like obviously Lowry was trying to give him the ball. Gillespie kind of didn't read it right, but he looked like he was absorbing it. He was taking it for what it is. It's like, cause he knows, man, it's like, these guys are vets. I'm like, these guys are champions. Like I'm going to listen to these guys. I'm going to absorb everything I can. And again, with Yuta, same thing, man. Like that's a guy like who's been doubted, who's been, you know, kind of brushed aside and he just clearly didn't let it get to him. And especially after the Anthony Edwards poster, I mean, like, let's face it, that, that was dunk of the year. And I, yep. that's really the only acknowledgement he was, he's gotten all year outside of, like, Raptors fans. So, you know, and I'm sure mentally that took a toll on him. And, he, again, bounced back, got himself a bag. It may not have been some monster bag, but it's a bag at the end of the day. So, it's like you said, bro, like, we're, we're clearly, like, setting the culture. These guys like each other. And that's important, man. you got to have guys that like each other. And I, you can see that these guys like playing together. And I think that long-term, this whole Tampa experience, how hard it's been mentally, physically on all of them, is, I think, in a sense, going to be beneficial. It's going to bring all of them closer together. They're going to have this in common with each other. They all understand how hard it was, what they went through. And I think it's just going to make them stronger and more kind of gelled with one another. Yeah, I think I kind of take this Tampa season as like, getting bounced get like losing in game seven of the finals almost like the heartbreak that you have like if you lose the game seven in the finals it's like you learn so much from it you go into the off season being like shit i i want i went there i want to go back and i want to win the championship this time but what's sick is like we get such a long period of time off we get like almost five months off if we don't make the play in and don't go into the playoffs right when's the last time we had a break like that 
like what 2015 yeah a long time yeah like 2015 playoffs when the wizards swept us after that we've been making runs in the playoffs if and you know until we ran into lebron james but we're not gonna talk about that because ptsd is <laughs> real um yeah like i know we're trying to make a push right now for the plans i mean freddie came out and said it fred van vliet he came out and said it in an interview post game so like i know a lot of people are against it because we do want to tank we do want to get that nice pick but let's get on the same page like hypothetically let's say we're all okay with us making the play on playing tournament what are the pros of actually making it through? And I'm not saying just to play in tournament, but actually making the playoffs as the eight seed. What are the benefits? What are the pros? The only thing I can really think of is getting, you know, Malachi and those young guys some minutes in the postseason. Other than that, I don't really see any pros of getting in at this point. I mean, yeah, like we get in and we got a lower pick. Our guys, in my opinion, they're just not ready for playoff basketball this year. I'd much rather just take the time off especially for like guys like Pascal. I don't really – if I have to watch Pascal go into the playoffs again and stink it up, man, it's going to be bad. Like, I don't think he'll ever live it down on Twitter. I don't think so either. I think – what about like auditioning for a superstar or like – I mean, you know what? Face it. We're not getting a superstar to the free agency. No, You know, like not. Eli, go for it. Yeah, like I guess just going off what Josh said, just – um only event like biggest advantage i guess like like an actual real advantage like something we can actually see is developing malachi um gillespie and trent but like my one concern with that is with gillespie and malachi obviously they haven't been and jalen harris they haven't been in the playoffs obviously because they're rookies and like we've seen how nurse is with his playoff rotations with is there even a guarantee that those guys would get runs like Malachi, I think, has the highest likelihood, and I guess, and, and it depends on like how much of a run he's gonna get. It, like, is Nurse gonna really trust him to play big moments? I think he'll get minutes, but I mean, I think some people are over, kind of over um, stating the value of like the what this development will mean for Malachi, because like, I mean, truthfully, I, I don't think he's gonna be playing like twenty five minutes a game. Like, I mean, if I mean, no. I'm wrong, if I'm wrong, that'd be sick. I mean, it'd be nice to see him get like some good minutes but I think besides that it'd be more sort of like moral victories like we can just like you know as fans we can and like as an organization we can say like what it's like nine years in a row we've made the playoffs or eight years in a row we've made the playoffs um it was it's the sort of comeback story you know we started two and eight we had COVID we were like the 12th seed we were x amount of games under 500 we fought back you know that championship DNA pushed us forward you know that winning culture um but when it comes to actual I guess like like real advantages we could really see and like take with us. Like it, it's really not much. Um, the auditioning for a superstar or like, I guess any big free agent, definitely valid though. I, I can see that being a thing. Cause. Um, but who though? Uh, I would say most, I, I'm trying to be really realistic here. And I think the only realistic guy is like Rashawn Holmes. Cause like, I'm <laughs> a superstar. Yeah, like, but that, like, but there's no real superstar that's in the free agency. Or, no, there's not. Yeah, unless like, you want to say like DeRozan, but like he yeah. doesn't just he doesn't fit us at all anymore. Yeah, like, like he would in a sense, but I'm not. No, like I love DeRozan, but it's not it's not going to be a thing. Like, well, yeah, he it, could fit it, our team for now, but I mean, going forward, like, yeah, I don't. We we shouldn't be paying him that money. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, and um, we're already pretty 
like backlogged with like guard play and it just seems like I don't know man like we have good young guards and like a good wing duo and OG and Gary Trent Jr. for the future and clearly like their development is actually it's not like they're really raw and like it's not coming it's like no it's like you know OG's looking like he could easily drop 20 a game next year Gary Trent Jr. is looking like he could still continue to drop 15 16 next year um and then what do we do let's bring like 32 year old DeRozan who's gonna Yo, OG, exactly. OG so slept on at the two position. I think the only reason the league doesn't take notice like that is because he doesn't show it in his face. Like, he doesn't bark when he plays ball. Mm-hmm. You know, so, like, he doesn't intimidate anybody, but he intimidates people, like, obviously physically bullying them. And yeah. he's been hitting open shots like crazy as of late. Oh, yeah. um, so, like, he's – what do we think about his progression as of late? Because to me, to be, I'm not going to lie – at the beginning of the season, when he was sitting out and whatnot, everyone's like, oh, wait till OG comes back. Wait till OG comes back. This is happening. This is going to happen. I'm not going to lie. I was kind of like, yo, I know OG's nice, but I don't think he's that nice because to me, he hasn't displayed much. But because the whole fan base is speaking so highly of him, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to give this a chance. I'm going to see where this goes. I'll, I'll be honest. He's, I'll buy OG stocks, man. OG stocks are only going up and... I don't know what you guys think as to like what his position might be in the team next year. Like, do you think he's going to be one of our top three options? I know, I know we all want him to be because he has shown that he can deliver, but where do we realistically see him in terms of on one of our top three options? So I think without a doubt, he should be the second option at least. I mean, what can't the guy do? I mean, he's a 40% three point shooter. He's probably the best defender in the NBA. I mean, he's shown improved handle. He can put it on the floor. He can body literally anybody to the like get into the paint. Like he's he's like he moves DeAndre Ayton when he posts him up. Like this guy's a freak, and like he's never really had the opportunity because we've been loaded with talent. He's never had the opportunity because OG's the type of guy he's gonna do what the team wants, like the team needs him to do, and he's never ever had to take a role that he's gonna have to start taking now. And you can see, especially since the Norman Powell trade, he gets an increased role, and he's just he moves up that extra level because he has to for the team. And I think he's just going to keep doing that. I wouldn't be surprised if he put up nearly 20 a game next year. He was fighting for an all-star spot. Yeah. Like, I, honestly, I, I could I'd say the same thing. Like um, in terms of like where I see like him going, like in terms of his development for the future, especially next year. I mean, I, again, I won't be shocked if he's putting up 20 a game next year. And if not 20, like, you know, like 18, 19, but I think what what's gonna be more most important, like other than obviously the increase in productivity, I think it's gonna be how he's getting his buckets. Like right now, he's giving us sixteen a game basically, and the vast majority of that is catch and shoot threes. And we're starting to see like these last 15, 20 games. He's like like what Josh said. He's putting the ball on the floor more. He's ta- he's attacking guys. He's looking for mismatches. He's taking the small guys in the paint, bullying them. He's taking the big guys off the dribble. And, like, even last night, I mean, like, what he was doing at KD, like, I know KD isn't some lockdown defender and, like, but it's, like, to want to, like, to actively hunt down arguably the second best player in the in the game. And you are hunting him on – Having the deep. willingness to. Yeah, you're hunting him. Yeah. You're hunting him down. You are taking it to him. You're not – and, like, you're, you're hitting his own move on him. Like, that that little bully ball, you know, step – a little fadeaway step back midi, and he – Hits that, and he hit that over uh, Durant, and Durant's like, bro, Durant's like seven feet with like 
what's it, what's that guy's reach? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm crazy, like seven, seven wings, right? Or something crazy. Yeah, and, and like, he made it look so easy. And that's the thing, like, it's, it's getting really easy for OG. Like, I, I think he's starting to realize, like, with Josh, like, with the handle becoming better, and I feel like on top of the handle getting better, he's getting more control of himself. He's not, he, he's getting more control of his body because I think he, he's really starting to realize I'm probably one of the strongest guys in the league. I have an ability to slash. And if I put those two things together, there is not a single person that's going to stop me. And I feel like, again, all that coming together, mixed with the type of, like, with a prototype player he is, a big wing that has ball handling ability, that's a guy that could easily be number two next year. And, like, my super hot take is, like, bro, bro, I mean, is it really crazy to think that maybe he takes the number one option spot eventually? Maybe not next year, but in two, three years? And I don't think you're crazy for thinking that. I just, I don't know if I've seen enough for him to be a number one yet. Then again, he's so freaking young, bro. Like he's twenty three. You know, like man. Kawhi, like we talk about him and Kawhi's uh, comparison a lot. I would love to see like OG coming out party like Kawhi. Obviously, I would love to be proven wrong. So Josh said that OG is like a number two for us. Would be ne- like he would be a number two for us next year. So who's who would be number one and three? Take Kyle Lowry out of the picture though. Let's just, like already one pretend is- he's gone. I think number one is still Pascal at this point. You can't give up on him yet. He's proven. I mean, he was a number one option for us when we had the second best record in the NBA. So I'm not giving up on him yet. I think he's going to even get better when we get back to Toronto. So I still have hope in him for being a number one option. But OG, man, he's right there. You can definitely take it. Yeah, no, I agree with Pascal being number one still. Like, I think we shouldn't judge him off this offseason. Like, obviously, we know that COVID really messed it up for him. And I don't want to give up on the guy because, you know, he has shown that, like, he's fought through so many adversities. I, I want to see what he's going to do next season. Um, is that when his con- – that's when his second-year contract kicks in, right? Yes. Yeah. So. Like, if, if, you know, if we get a new front office, maybe they'll want to do something with it the third year of his contract, maybe move him if they see that he's not part of our future anymore because, um, you know, like, some people think that he's a letdown this season, but I don't think so. I think as a second option or a third option, his numbers are off the charts. Like, what is he giving you that other players aren't? That's not a top 10 player. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I think to write him off this season would be a pretty short-sighted move. Personally, I don't think he's a number one as of right now, but given everything, like, okay, we're judging him based off, like, his play in a bubble and then in the – playing in a different city with circumstances that have never been seen before, not only in basketball, like in major sports, like we've never seen anything like this before. So to now judge him off of it, I don't think is exactly fair. The criticisms are valid. Okay. Up to a certain extent. And I think next year, especially if we're back in Toronto and it's an improved roster, that's where it's like, okay, this is the, this, that's the do or die year. If Pascal is a number one, because I feel like the argument that he is he a number two? Okay, bro, you're stupid. He's a number two. He proved it. He was a number two on a, on a team that won a ring. So like you can't. That's not a debate. The debate is can he be a number one? I think the one thing we can at least all agree on about the one, two, three option. Fred has to be a third option. Fred is not a Fred guy. Van Vliet. For those that that's, yeah. not, that's not obvious for it's yeah. Fred Van yeah. Vliet. Uh, look, Van Vliet. The thing that frustrates me, and I feel like what frustrates people the most about Van Vliet is the way he's being used or what's expected of him or what he in in turn expects of himself or what he thinks he can bring to the table. I'm going to sound like such a dick to say this, but bro, like, you're not that guy. Like, 
<laughs> like I mean this so respectfully, but like he's an unathletic six foot undersized shooting guard that can't finish at the rim. And he has tunnel vision half the time. He's not a good facilitator. This is a guy where prime, like me personally, we should be running him kind of like how Golden State runs Curry. He's not going to be obviously the same as Curry, but it's that same type of thing, primarily off ball, get him some screen action, get him some looks like that. And he'll, he'll get buckets, especially in catch and shoot threes, you know, pull up threes, you know, whatever it may be off the screen in curl and everything, even the mid range is there. But my point is like, when you try, I mean, you know, you've seen that when he drives, it's like, ah, oh, bro, you're getting blocked. And like, there was a point last night where like he took it to three guys. He took it to the rim with three guys there. It's like, bro, what, what, what did you think was going to happen? And the thing is like, obviously as a, like normal fans or like casual fans don't understand basketball as much as maybe us do. Cause we watch it so much. Some of us have also played. I'm sure all three of us have played. So like we understand the game and even us watching it, we're like, Yo, Freddie, like it, that does not look normal. Like it, you look out of rhythm. Right. You look like you're forcing everything. We're you, we're not in COVID anymore, where the whole half the team's out. Like, pass the ball, bro. <laughs> yeah, just pass the ball. Um, yeah, I agree with Fred being the third option because I, I don't think we're gonna be able to really win like that. It's not every game that we're gonna get him dropping fifty four against Orlando Magic. Um, yeah, yo, f- some funny shit I see on the Twitter timeline recently. Well, the whole Jimmy Butler and uh, Kyle Lowry situation with Kyle Lowry being the godfather of uh, Jimmy Butler's kids or I guess daughter or son. I'm not sure. And then everyone started talking about like, oh, Jimmy Butler to Toronto Raptors confirmed. I thought it was pretty cool. <laughs> I thought it was pretty cool seeing that. Um, I mean, I'm not seeing the part that where he might be a Raptor. It just it's more so of Lowry being Miami Heat, I think. <laughs> yeah. I was like, OK, well, I don't know if that really has any merit. And, yo, the funniest shit that I saw, I don't think you guys noticed this. You know that video of uh, the guy seeing Party in the USA? Like Gillespie and Malachi? Yeah. So Bobby Portis from the Bucks, this guy quoted that tweet. And he's like, oh, ho, ho, something on the lines of love seeing this the first thing in the morning or whatever. And, man, if you guys go and go find that tweet, Bucks fans went at his ass. Like, oh. they went at his ass. It's funny because it's Bobby Portis. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's it's funny because it's Bobby Portis. So if you guys get time, go check it out. Um, it's it's fucking hilarious. And yeah, we got a couple of minutes left before we get to it. Is there anything you guys want to add? Um, anything that we've ever missed in this episode? Because I know we mentioned it at the beginning of this podcast when podcast when we weren't recording. I know you want to mention something, Eli. Oh yeah, I mean, just I thought it was interesting just to see what you guys kind of felt about the Raptors um, sending scouts to Australia to see Josh Giddy. The uh, Australian kid playing in the NBL. Um, there's been a lot of talk on the timeline the last couple of days because of it. I know um, there's definitely been some guys like Robotussin that have been pushing the sort of. Shout out uh, to Robotussin, man. We'll yeah, he, uh, plug him in. This guy's mad dope. Hometown. We've got to support him. He's the man. But, um, yo, man, I depending where our draft pick is and like how. We I really guess, don't know. Yeah, you don't know. honestly have no clue. Yeah, and, like, honestly, man, like, this kid's nice, bro. And, like, the thing that, like, entices, is most enticing about him is that, like, so much of, like, the similarities and the criticisms of his game are, like, exactly like LaMelo Ball. Like, even down to, like, his, like, proto, like, the frame. I mean, he's six foot eight. He's long. He can pass. This guy's vision is beyond his years. His handle's coming along. The scoring ability is coming along. He's a great rebounder. It's, like, bro, like, 
You know, what's there not to like about that? I mean, he's a walking triple-double, and he's playing in a professional league as an 18-year-old. I mean... I mean, it's impressive, man. Like, whenever you're playing as grown men in another league, we see we see what happened to Luca. We see what happened to Lamelo. Like, I think we should put some more time into like uh, scouting this guy because I actually haven't heard of his name much before uh, as of late. What do you think, Josh? Yeah, man. Uh, a lot of people weren't really high on Lamelo Ball when he came out of the NBA because they didn't really know how to gauge the uh, the competitiveness of that with the NBA. But he's been killing it. So, I mean, I think Giddy could probably fly under the radar a little bit, especially if we make the if we do end up making the play, which hopefully not, that's someone we could probably still pick up even with that pick. 100%. Like, again, Raptors are good at taking players that no one is really looking at and then turning them into something. Bro, yesterday I was watching the game and I'm like, there's four or five undrafted guys on this team. We got a rookie on the court. We got another guy who was undrafted who just got cut from his other team, and then we picked him up. We got another guy who's on a second 10-day. But, yeah, man, I'm, I'm really excited. I'm really excited for the future. Uh, unfortunately, we're out of time for this episode, so I'm going to wrap it up. Uh, but for those that are listening, man, join us. Like, join us on Twitter. Let us know what you think of the episodes. Give us things to talk about because we're at it every single week. And if there's a lot of demand, Maybe we'll be at it twice a week. Who knows? But we genuinely love this stuff. We love our team. We love talking hoops. So thanks again for joining Hall of Takes Podcast, Episode 3, with Pascal MV and OG The Clamp God. Make sure to follow them on Twitter at OG The Clamp God and at Pascal MV. And you can follow me at Alam Namir or Hall of Takes Podcast. Thank you so much. We'll catch you guys next time. Peace. <laughs>